0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen, amen. And when you do that, you can take your seat. This morning, I don't want to take too much time. We have a we have a guest speaker, in house speaker. He is uh, he's our youth pastor, Renee. He's going to be bringing a word this morning. And I know that God, uh, God has something. I, 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 Renee used to, uh, man, he would, he would, I would use him a lot when it came to preaching. And, and then we, 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 wanted, we started using a little bit more people. And I think this is the first time you're preaching this year, bro. Um, and so I know that he's been having a word brewing in his heart. So uh, I, I thank God for what he's going to do this morning through Pastor Renee. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. It was more than two years, but okay. Who's counting? (laughs) Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good? Is everybody happy? Even though the Astros lost? Yeah, it's only, yeah. I was comforted to know that the Dodgers lost too. But it's only game two, right? Still a lot of baseball. I'm happy to be here to share the Word of God with all of you today. I'm excited. And like Pastor Ryan said, it has been a minute already since the last time I was here. I feel like it's my first time here. I feel like a guest speaker. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. So what should we do? Rejoice and be glad in it. Okay. Amen. Uh, So I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to share the Word of God. So I want you to turn your Bibles and go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 8. Hebrews, chapter 8. And we're going to read the whole chapter, if that's okay. Because I think it's important uh, to get the context. It's important to let the Word, you know, teach us. So I'm going to do my best today to... To expose the word to you. Um, Hebrews chapter 8. So we're going to start on verse 1. And I have the NASB version. So it may be a little different for you. This is what it says. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched not men. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is necessary that his high priest also have something to offer. Now he who were on earth, he will not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer the gifts according to the law." who serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. Just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle for sea, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. Now, this is the part I want you to pay close attention. I'm going to read verse 6 again. But now he has a, obtained a more excellent ministry by as much he, as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. For it, if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold, These are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on that day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord." I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me, from the least to the the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here again. It's a beautiful Sunday. We're reading your scripture, and it's a blessing. And I pray that in the next few moments, you will be the one who speak to us. We open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. We want to, be, uh, we want to play, pay close attention to your word. We want to be listeners. But most importantly, we want to be doers of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so the scripture, the passage of Hebrew, I mean, Hebrew but it's one of the most difficult books to study. Um, so I'm not going to get much into it, but I feel led by God uh, to share the scripture with you. And the title that I, I mean, the title is actually found in the verses that we just read. I just put better promises. I'm going to keep it very simple. I want you to remember better promises. And uh, as I was re- reading the, the book of Hebrews, you know, I thought this is um, this is a good word. This is a good message. Um, it's, I hope to some of you, most of you, this is good news. I mean, because, I mean, the word of God, the, the, the whole word of God, it's all good news. The gospel is is good news. I mean, it, it could be bad news, I guess. Depends when you're standing, right? Um, a story says that um, there was this lady who wanted to share some, some news with her friend. And she said, uh, well, she started by saying, hey, hello, friend. Um, I just got married. So the friend, her friend was like, whoa, that's, that's good news. And then she was like, but he's really mean to me. No, he's, he's horrible. And she's like, well, that's bad news. And then she's like, but he has a lot of money. And she's like, well, that's good news. And then she's like, but he's very stingy. She's like, oh, that's bad news. And she's like, but he bought me a house. And like, that's good news. And she's like, but he burned. <laughs> that's bad news. But then she was like, but he was inside of it. So, I don't know. I guess it could be good news, bad news. Depends where you're standing. But I hope and I trust in God that today this is good news for for the church and for all of us. And as I was reading scripture, as I was studying, I was comforted uh, to hear that there are better promises that God wants to give to each and every one of us. And I'm going to do my best to share the Word of God with you today. And as, I were, as we were reading in verse uh, chapter 8, I think you'll you notice that how uh, the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant... I mean, all of you know that we have an Old Covenant, we have a New Covenant, right? We have an Old Testament with an Old Covenant, we have a New Testament with a New Covenant... And the writer of Hebrews says that this new covenant that God wanted to give us us, had better promises. And I'll explain a little bit more about that. And this new covenant, as you read some of these verses, it was very internal. He says, I will put my law in your heart. I will put my law in you, in your hearts, in your minds, and I will cause you to walk in my ways. So that's good news. Those are good promises. The book of Ezekiel says it a little bit different, but just a few words different. He says on chapter 36, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols. Moreover, he says, I will give you a new heart and I will give you a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That is exciting news, church. And I'm going to do my best to explain why it's so important to understand the difference between these two covenants. But but most importantly, why we need to be part of this new covenant with better promises. Now, to understand the difference between, between these two covenants, we have to go... Way back to where it all started. So you know the story how God delivered his people from Egypt. I'm sure most of you already know the story. So just bear with me because this is important. Uh, I'm sure there's someone here who is going to be new to them. So God wanted to deliver Egypt from, uh, I'm sorry, the Israelites from Egypt. Because they were being captive slaves for so many years. And the Israelites were living in Egypt as slaves, and God chose Moses to deliver them. And as you know, the story after the 10 plagues, Pharaoh finally let let them go. He released them. And as they were on their way uh, to the promised land, as God has promised, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he decided to chase and go after the Israelites. And then we come into the story where they were um, in front of the Red Sea, you know, and they were complaining already. Um, some of them were even willing to go back. They were like, "God, what would you brought us here? You want us to die out here?" But then God had to intervene, and as you know, the story: God, uh, through Moses, he departed the Red Sea, and Israel was able to walk on dry land. And after that, God also, with this, on the same sea. He destroyed the army of Pharaoh. Now it seems like the worst part had been over when they went across the Red Sea. But the Israelites continue to complain. They felt lost. They were hungry, thirsty, and they began to complain to Moses, to God. And it w- it's uh, I mean you read the story and like why would they do that, right? They they experienced firsthand the miracles of God. They saw what he could do. Why would you complain to God? And in Exodus nineteen, God invites Israel to Israel to have an intimate relationship with, with them with him. And the word that describes in this passage is the word covenant. And a covenant it simply means a legal agreement between God and Israel. God wanted to make a covenant with his people. And he invites them to the mountain to have a relationship, personal relationship with him. He says, and on on this mountain, God was going to give them uh, his law that they were to follow. And God says, if you keep my commandments, if you keep this law, I will make you a great nation. That is part of the covenant. A covenant is God is going to make his part of the deal, but you have to make your part of the deal too. So God invites them to have a personal relation with him, and God says, I will make you a kingdom of a priest." And uh, it, it's related to the promise that God, has, uh, that God has given to Abraham when he told him that he was going to make a great nation out of his descendants. And the Israelites, actually, they agreed. They said, okay, we'll do whatever God says he wants us to do. We'll do it. But when God invites them to come into his presence, they they refuse to. They say, we don't want to go up there. You go up there, Moses. You go talk to God. We don't want to go up there. And I think the problem was that the Israelites, you know, after God, they they say yes to, to, to the agreement. But they decide not to go up there. And they really don't want it to have um, a commitment with God. And when they sent Moses up there to to talk to God to the mountain, they really wanted, they don't want it to do much work, right? They want Moses to do everything for them. Because they still wanted to be told what to do. And I think their problem was that, you know, even though God had delivered them from Egypt, out of slavery, in their minds, st- they were still slaves. They still had a, a mentality of slavery. Because they still wanted to be told what to do. And this is why they refused to go to God's presence and they said Moses. And the problem, church, is that you can't experience God's freedom if you, think, if you still think like a slave you can't do that you know the uh, the, the elephants you know they're, it, it's a, they're the giant they're so big, and uh, the way w- when they train them when they want to have them like on the circus and things like that, they train them, train them when they're little right they put a, a small chain and they're not able to to break it and as they grow older I mean they, they can be so huge and they're so big, so strong. But they don't know it. In their mind, they don't think they can break the little piece of rope or that little piece of chain. And the Israelites, when they were delivered from from Egypt, they still brought their mentality of slavery. And they were not able to continue to move forward to the promises that God wanted to give them. The world is full of nice people, church, who come to church, they're very faithful. They listen to the messages, but when they go back home, they go back to to their normal life, right? They come to church, they listen, they want to be obedient, but they don't want to have that personal commitment, that personal relationship with God. And that's exactly what the Israelites wanted. They say, no Moses, you deal with God, just tell us what to do. We don't really want to put a lot of work into it. And that's exactly what's happening in many churches. It's full of people that they're just like that. They want to show up, listen to the message, and then go back to their to their normal lives. And that's not the way this works, church. We, want, we need to have our own personal relationship with our God. We need to have our own personal relationship or else we're going to be stuck with this mentality of slavery. And... Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't ask for help. You shouldn't ask or seek guidance. You should always do that. That's important. But you need to have your own personal relationship with God. It comes a time when y- you can, I mean, you, you, yourself, you can go and have a personal relationship with God. Uh, I grew up, um, I mean, when I was little, my, my whole family were, were Catholic. And I don't remember ever having a conversation with God. Because I thought I have to to go to church I have to talk to the priest And then he's going to talk to God for me I didn't know that I could just talk to God directly He was listening And I never knew that So Moses goes up to the mountain And he stays up there for 40 days While God has given him his law And while God has given the law to Moses God's people are already breaking the law They go up there, and and God says to Moses, Moses, you need to go down there, because my children are already in trouble. And when Moses comes down, he brings the two tablets with the commandments in it. And when he shows up, the first thing he sees, what are they doing? They're worshiping an idol, a statue. They've already broken the first two commandments, and Moses was barely coming down. God's plan was to take the Israelites to the promised land. And uh, God still wanted to have a relationship with them. And even though the Israelites, they refused to go up to the mountain, God said, okay, they don't want to come up here, I'll come down there. And that's when they built the tabernacle, and God's presence was in it. That's the mercy of God, that's the love of God. He hasn't given up on them. So God shows up, His presence was in the tabernacle. But God's plan was to take Israel out to the Promised Land. That was the initial plan of God. Okay, He wanted to take Him to Canaan, the land that flows milk and honey. And if you remember, um, when God was delivering them from Egypt, uh, the last plague was uh, when God sent the uh, the angel of death, right? And God says He give them the instructions. Um, he told them how to kill a lamb; has to be a perfect lamb. You sacrifice the lamb, you put her, the, the blood on the post so that when the angel of death comes, it'll pass over. That's where we get the term Passover. And he says, you know, that's the only way that you're going to be safe. But be ready because I'm going to take you out of, out of this place. And on Exodus chapter 12, when, when, God is, when Moses is explaining everything that they had to do, This is what it says. It says, You shall also serve the feast of unliving bread. For on this very day I brought your host out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall also observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. So you can imagine the people of Israel, they were out in the wilderness. And, uh, I mean, they were still celebrating the Passover, the day that God delivered them out of Egypt. And obviously, the the people of Israel, they were multiplying. There was a lot of new people, uh, little kids that have no idea what, what had happened. And can you imagine, as they were celebrating the Passover, the father was having this celebration, and when he had to explain it to the kid their son and like and the kid was probably like what are we celebrating dad well this is the Passover we're celebrating God delivering us from slavery and the kid looks around in the wilderness desert like do you call this freedom where is the promised land do you know that the journey they would have gotten to the promised land in a matter of two weeks if they, they would have gone straight two weeks it would have taken them But because of their stubbornness, because of their unfaithfulness, they stayed on the wilderness for 40 years, going in circles. And I I hope that this message will speak to someone this morning because, I don't know, maybe you feel like the Israelites going in circles. You're walking, but you're not advancing. You're trying to get somewhere, but it just feels like you're not moving. But I want to tell you that God hasn't given up on you. It's a dangerous place to be, church. If you stay on that wilderness, you will die there. It's a dangerous place to be. God has better promises for his people. So what are these better promises, you may ask? Well, the book of Hebrews explains it very well. He says, we just already said it, I will put my laws into their hearts. I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen. The book of Ezekiel says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of filthiness from all your idols and I will put my spirit in you. And verse 27 says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and I will be careful to observe my ordinances. Um John the Baptist says in the New Testament, when he was referring to Jesus, he says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, it says. That's what the, uh, the NASB says. Because the fire has energy. Fire it purifies. That's exactly what God wanted to do to his people. He says, These are better promises. Amen. And I think uh, today's day, you know, a lot of people live spiritless lives. The Spirit of God is not in them. And I think that's probably the problem. And, you know, you can call it cultural Christianity if you want. A lot of people, you ask, you know, are you Catholic, Muslim, what are you? Most people will say, I'm a Christian. But you ask them, do you have a relationship with God? And they'll probably stay quiet. Because there is no real relationship with God. There is no real commitment with God. God wanted to put his spirit on his people. Because the spirit brings life to them. Amen? If you don't have a spirit, there is no life in you. You can be spiritually dead. You know, the difference between, if if I were to bring a a corpse here, dead body, the difference between me and and that corpse is that there's a spirit in me, so I'm alive, but there's no spirit in that corpse. You can talk to it, you can pinch it or anything, he won't respond, because there's no life. And when I'm dead, you can do the same thing to me, but don't do it, okay? (laughs) Have some respect for my dead body. (laughs) And I won't respond because there will be no more life in me. And the reason we can be alive is because the Spirit of God can abide in each and every one of us. That's the better promise that God wanted to give to His people. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you know this by heart, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness. One of the main reasons God, why God wanted to empower us through His Holy Spirit was to be His witness. That was the whole purpose for Israel as well. There was to be God's witness. Witness. There was to be a, a, a holy nation. A blessing to the nation. Now, just in a little bit uh, resume here. Um, what we've been talking about. The new covenant and the old covenant. It all started on the Mount of Sinai. And these promises that were good. But Hebrews says the new covenant has better promises. Now, why did God have to offer better promises? You probably wonder, why is that? Was the old covenant not good enough? Was it that those were was, that, that was not good promises? Why does God have to offer better promises? Well, the reason I think we already mentioned it is because, you know, God wanted to have a covenant. God had a plan for Israel if they keep their part of the deal. But they decided not to. So God says, okay, you can't do that by yourself. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a better promise. He says, on the new covenant, I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to cause you to walk in holiness. And that's exactly what it means to have this new promises, church. That God promised his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. To help us overcome any situation in our life. And that's the only way that you're going to be conquered. That's the only way that you're going to continue to live in victory. Holy lives. Amen. He said he's going to cause us to walk in his spirit. There's cause and effect. The spirit will be the cause, and we'll be able to live holy lives. Amen. I'm going to be closing now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here. You know that I don't preach that long. But I wanted to encourage all of you, church, to continue to walk. In the spirit. Because this is the promise of God. Don't stay on that wilderness. If you feel like you're stuck in a situation. You can't advance. You got to do something. There's a better promise for you. There's something so much better. That God has promised to all of you. In Ezekiel uh, 36 verse 27. Uh, he says that he, was going, he will put his Holy Spirit in us. He will remove the heart of, of stone, and he will give us a heart of flesh. And uh, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, this is the last portion of the Bible that I will read. It says, For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who seen whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? He's talking about the, the promised land. But to those who were disobedient. And so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. That, that entire generation of the Israelites... They died in the wilderness. They didn't make it to the promised land. They stayed there. And God gave new promises to the new generation. And the only way that our generation, our new generation is going to succeed and is going to do the will of God is if we allow the Holy Spirit to take full control of our lives. Otherwise, He won't be able to do it. It won't be possible. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Hopefully the, this message spoke to someone today, and I hope that you feel encouraged that God hasn't given up on you. He has better promises for His people. All you have to do is be willing to, to give your life to him. He's ready. That was God's desire for his people. He wanted to have a close relationship with them. But they refused. They rejected God. And I'm just telling you, church, it's a dangerous place to be. If you stay on that wilderness. Because if you stay there too long, God is going to grant you wish. God is going to say, okay, you want to stay there? Fine. Stay there. Don't stay there too long. Because of God's people disbelief, because they, didn't, they were not able to trust in God, they were not able to see that promised land. Would you close your eyes with, with me as we pray? And I'm going to open the altars as the worship team leads us in a song. We just sang this beautiful song. I'm here, I'm available, and God is here. He's speaking to you, and he wants, he wants to have a closer relationship with all of you, with each and every one of us. So I'm asking if God is speaking to you, if the word of God spoke to your heart, maybe there's a part of you that still wants to go back to the wilderness. Maybe your mentality, you're still thinking like a slave. You can't advance. You can't do things on your own. You can't pray. You can't worship God because there's something that's holding you back. I'm telling you that God wants to set you free and free indeed. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be here. Thank you for these better promises that you have given us because we, we won't be able to do it on our own. Because in our own strength, we can't do it, God. We need your Holy Spirit. We need the strength of your Spirit guiding us every single day of our life. We need you, Lord. You loved us so much that you don't want nobody to perish. And I just pray this morning that you will continue to guide us, that you will continue to speak to each and every one of us, because I know that you haven't given up on us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And as the worship team lead us in a song, you guys are welcome to come to the altar. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on NUMA Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.